Do you have one of those friends who's just a little too interested in medical procedures? Do you have one of those friends that knows just a little too much about surgery and sickness and symptoms and, and all of those details and, and they like to talk about those things? They're probably watching operation videos on YouTube. Did you know you can do that? The really hardcore ones are probably, the really hardcore ones are probably watching Dr. Pimple Popper. I don't know if you've ever seen Dr. Pimple Popper. I, I can't watch that. And you know, it's one thing if, it, if they're a doctor or a nurse, you know, if it's a nurse or a medical student or a potential medical student and, and this is their thing. It's another thing when it's your friend Tony. And, and Tony, you're having lunch with them, and Tony starts telling you about all of these things. That, that's a whole different thing. That's a different kind of problem. It's, it's strange, though. I think there's something within us that we're fine talking about suffering as long as it's someone else's suffering. You know, As long as it's someone else's pain, as long as it's someone else's procedure, it's someone else's problem, it's someone else's pimple, we're fine talking about it. But when it's our suffering, we tend to downplay it. Oh, it's, it's nothing. You know, it, it's not so bad. It, it barely hurts. Hannah was telling me the other day about a friend who, who had COVID and she downplayed the COVID. Ah, oh, it wasn't that bad. It was just like having a cold. And then her daughter said, no, she was really sick. It was very, very bad. Don't let her fool you. Well, we may want to downplay our hurts and our suffering. We, we may even call, balk at calling it suffering. We say, ah, it's nothing. Just a, just a little inconvenience. But the Bible is a, is a book about suffering. The Bible tells a story after story of those who suffered, those who endured, and it tells us these stories so that we might know how to endure also. The Bible doesn't downplay our hurts. It doesn't minimize our pain. It doesn't gloss over our suffering. But at the same time, again and again, those words come back to us. In this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. And it's because Jesus has overcome the world, because He has bought that victory for you and me, that victory that we celebrated just a few weeks ago when we celebrated Easter, a victory that points us to His suffering on the cross. It's because of that that we can have victory and we can realize that our pain, our pain doesn't have to define us, but nor do we have to deny our pain. We can learn from it, we can grow from it, and we can grow closer to God through it. The suffering that we endure draws us closer to our source of strength. <clears throat> We're in 1 Peter again today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19-25. through 25. If you're following along in those Bibles in front of you, it's page 1015. We're spending a few weeks in 1 Peter. Just, just taking a little survey through 1 Peter. Because here in these weeks following Easter, what was Easter was what, three weeks ago I think? In these weeks following Easter, we need to hear Peter. We need to hear from the one who ran away. From the one who denied Jesus and then the one who ran to the empty tomb. 
The one that Jesus loved despite His failings. The one who Jesus called back to Him again and again and again. And here in His first letter, Peter is very aware of the reality of suffering. But he's all the more aware of the presence of Jesus. And we need to hear that. And His call for us, all through His letter, Peter's call for us is to hold tight to our faith in the face of our own suffering. Sufferings that sometimes we just dismiss or we downplay them. And instead, Peter says, let your suffering teach you. And the first thing he wants us to learn from our suffering, the first thing he wants us to learn is to be mindful of God. Now this section beginning here in verse 18 actually, this is a section of of household codes. Everyone in that world had a set of household codes. The Romans had household codes that they governed their homes with. The Jews had their own set of household codes. Societies would have their household codes. We read them over and over again through the Bible and through ancient literature. It was a set of rules on how to get along with the people who were most important to you and the people who were most likely to drive you nuts. People who hogged the covers... People who didn't know how to put the toothpaste tube top back on right. People who snored. People who cut their toenails at the dinner table. There were all these things that you just weren't supposed to do because of the, of the, of the household codes. And you've seen this before. And Paul uses household codes a couple of times. There in Ephesians, he says, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And wives be submissive to your husbands and children obey your parents. Peter's doing the same thing, giving his list of household codes here because the church had become a new kind of household and they needed their own code of ethics, their code of conduct within that household. But it's interesting that Peter begins his, not with husbands, not with wives or children, Peter begins his list with servants. Or let's just say it, he begins his list with slaves. That was a very real part of that culture very real part of their world. And while these people who society saw as non-entities, the society said these people don't really have very many rights, these people are not like the rest of us, those very people, those servants, those slaves had become part of the life and heart of the church. You can just imagine sitting there in worship right next to someone who served as a slave. The slaves and and wealthy freemen and, and slaves right there together. And so before he addresses anyone else in this letter, Peter says we have something we can learn from those who society would say are the lowest of the low. We can see Jesus in them. We can learn from their suffering. I want to begin in verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. When we're we're suffering, the first temptation is just simply to forget God. Forget that God is, is still God. When everything seems out of control, so often the temptation, when, when, life, when life just seems to throw us a curveball, when our plans fall apart, too often we just let go of that One who has promised to be a constant in our lives, a constant source of love, a constant source of direction, One who can provide peace beyond the circumstances that we are going through. And so we stop trusting Him. We stop trusting His 
presence and we stop trusting His purpose for us. It's difficult for us because we, we always want to believe that there is a purpose, don't we? We always want to believe there is a purpose to this pain. There is something useful in this pain. Whatever suffering we're going through, we want to find a reason. We want to find a purpose. But we don't always see a purpose. And when we, don't, when we can't see the purpose, we can still trust His presence. When we can't see the purpose, we can still trust His presence that God is there. You know, I look at our prayer list. I put our prayer list together every week and I try to, try to include everything I can remember and everything, every little note that I've been given. And, and I, I, look at, I look at our prayer list every week and we would have to admit several of the things that are on our prayer list, uh, they're the result of us getting older, right? <laughs> right? I mean, they're the result of us getting older. They, they shouldn't surprise us too much. And some things really don't surprise us. You know, the sufferings come our way and we're like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm at that age when I have to do this or I have to go through that. And, and some of it is, is just a matter of, of, uh, of, of just growing older and, and pains that come with age. And then there's other problems on our prayer list, other needs on our prayer list. And we just have to say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming at all. That took us completely by surprise. And even worse, it is not what we had planned for. We had planned for a long life. We had planned for continued love and life with our loved ones. We had continued for activities well into our retirement and, and a life and, and love. And, and in those times, I find myself praying, many times praying for you, I find myself praying, Lord, we didn't see this coming. We, we didn't know this was going to happen, but nothing surprises you. Lord, we didn't see this coming, but nothing surprises you. And so when we can't see your purpose, help us to trust your presence. Help us to remember that you are here with us in the middle of this. Peter says in verse 19, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. This is a gracious thing. Some of your Bibles say this is commendable. <clears throat> In my own head translation, the way I read it, I want to say this shows that you get it. This shows that you get it. You understand it's not all about you. It's not all about your comfort. It's not all about, about, about your, your comfort. It's not all about the, uh, you getting what you want. It's about trusting that the one being who knows you best is there even when your life is falling apart. And just because things aren't going your way, you are not going to toss Him to the side. This is commendable. This shows that you get it. Be mindful of God. He is present. He is here. He is hurting with us. There's another lesson Peter wants us to learn in our suffering, and that is he wants us to learn to look to the model of Jesus. Being mindful of God is recognizing that God doesn't change. Being mindful of God is recognizing that He doesn't change. Looking to the model of Jesus is recognizing I might have to change. There might have to be some changes in me, changes in my attitude towards suffering, towards the struggles that we face, changes in my attitude towards other people, changes to my attitude towards the circumstances we find ourselves in. Mostly it means we're going to have to change our view. We're going to have to take our eyes off of our pain and put our eyes on Jesus. Picking up there in verse 20, 
For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For it is for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. I want you to notice, Peter specifies unjust suffering two, maybe three times in this passage. Not suffering that you deserved. You know? Not suffering that, that, you, that you earned. This isn't punishment, but this is suffering that, that hits us wrongly. One of the things that really seems to get people worked up, I don't know about you, I'm going to confess this myself, but the whole idea of unjust suffering really, really gets me worked up. You can go online and you can watch videos that people have taken, a lot of dash cam videos, ring door cam videos, and other videos where somebody is suffering unjustly. The police stop somebody and they've done nothing. And you see what happens there. Somebody gets beaten up because, <clears throat> because they happen to look like someone else. <clears throat> Ring door cam videos of porch pirates stealing your, stealing your packages right off of your porch. And I, get, I go down the rabbit hole of watching those videos and it makes my blood angry. And if I'm not careful, I just get into it and I just keep scrolling video after video and I get angry. I finally just have to put it down. Maybe I'm telling too much about myself. But if I can put a positive spin on that, I wonder if God didn't build that into us. I wonder if He didn't build into us the realization that the world ought to be just. That, that, that there ought to be justice in the world. And the reality that God despises injustice. He, he despises when, the un, when, when people suffer unjustly. He wants us to experience justice. He wants us to experience that kind of, that kind of reality, the, the reality of justice. Maybe God's built that into us, but I tell you, way too often the, the media seems to take advantage of that and just continue to fill our feeds with, with video after video that shows that kind of injustice. But maybe God's in His hatred of injustice. Maybe He's built that into us. Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible, his, uh, his version called The Message, he writes this verse this way, this is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came His way so that you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. I think that idea might be news to us. We get that Jesus suffered. We, we talk about His suffering. We get that He endured. But we often think, yeah, but He's Jesus. That's why He did it. Because Jesus could do it. Jesus could do anything. But Peter tells us that Jesus did it to show us that it could be done. That we could hold up under suffering. Look to the model of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And boy, if there's one lesson that Peter learned the hard way, it would be that lesson of keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Do you remember the story? Jesus is out walking on the water one night, walking towards the disciples. There's this horrible storm. They're all in the boat. They see Jesus walking on the water towards them. They're terrified at first. Jesus says, it's me. And Peter, Peter speaks up. And he says, Lord, if it's really you, 
Call me to walk out on the water with you. And he does it. He steps out. He does the impossible. He walks on the water. But you remember what happened next? There in Matthew chapter 14, verse 30, but when he, when Peter saw the wind, he took his eyes off Jesus. When he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! In the middle of your storm, in the middle of your storm, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to His model for you. You know, when we acknowledge our own suffering and pain, be mindful of God's presence. Look to Jesus' model for you. And Peter has one more essential lesson for us. And that is to maintain your connection to the flock. Maintain your connection to the flock. And I have seen the need for this lesson far too often. I've seen people who going through a a difficult time in the midst of their hurt, they have taken comfort and they have taken support from their church. Church becomes a priority because of the relationships that they've built here. You know, I've probably seen an equal number of people who in the middle of a crisis, when, when, when things get difficult, they just leave church behind. And they'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy right now. I have no time for church. Once everything calms down, once this crisis is over, we'll be back. i got to tell you, I have seldom, if ever, seen them come back after that crisis. Verses 24 and 25, Peter writes of our connection to Jesus as the sheep to a shepherd. As sheep to a shepherd. There in verse Verses 24 and 25, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Charles, I don't read that Scripture without hearing your voice. I know that is one of your favorite verses and I so appreciate the way you have shared that and lived that out with so many people. But I don't want you to miss this. If there's a connection to a shepherd, then there is also a connection to the flock, right? It is a really bad shepherd who only has one sheep. Did you know that? Really, really. You're not even a shepherd. You have a hobby sheep at that point. You have to have a flock if you're going to be a shepherd. And our shepherd and overseer, he has a flock There's a connection to the shepherd. There's also a connection to the flock. And it's within that flock that we find safety, that we find comfort, we find peace. It is within the flock that the shepherd can properly care for us and provide for us. And it is so damaging when in those moments of suffering, those moments of pain, those moments of loss, people just put church to the side. And what Peter is showing us in these two verses is how our faith integrates with life, how our faith strengthens us together. And Peter does this amazing job of knitting together several Old Testament passages, several Old Testament truths. He says he bore, he says of Jesus, he bore our sins on the tree. He's taking that from Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy tells us, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And we understand that Jesus took that curse on for us. He says, by his wounds you have been healed. He's taking that from Isaiah 53, verse 5, that beautiful picture of Jesus that we find in Isaiah, where Isaiah tells us that it's through his scourging, through the scourging of Jesus, that we have been healed. And then he ties that directly to verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, 
but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You have returned. That suffering that could have cut you off from God has brought you back to the one who loves you, to the family that cares for you. If I can brag on you all for just a minute, is it okay if I brag on you? I have watched you do this so well. I have watched you over and over again do this so well. I have watched you love people who are going through huge challenges in their lives, people who are suffering, people who are going through big illnesses and and big challenges and and grieving. I, I have watched you love them. And again and again, I have heard them say, I don't know what I would do without my church. I've heard people say that of us. I don't know what I would do without my church. Even people with very little connection to us. You have blessed them. You have welcomed them. You have fed them. You have literally fed them. And in your love, you have given them the strength that they need to endure. Because you, in your love, you've made them mindful of God's presence. In your love, you have modeled Jesus for them. And you have loved them into the arms of the shepherd. I think we all know what a blessing it is to be a, to have a church, to have a, a flock, to be cared for by Jesus, and have people around us in some very difficult times. And while we see that as a blessing for ourselves, do we recognize it for the blessing that it would be to the people out there? People around us who, who have no church there are people around us who have in our community who are who are hurting alone who are going through suffering alone they have no one to remind them that God is present they have no one to model Jesus for them they have no church they have no flock and i wonder if we've i wonder if we've communicated that we are here for them also i wonder if we've communicated that that we are, in fact what if we started there What if we started with their pain, their suffering, their loneliness, whatever it is that has them grieving, and rather than tell people, you know, if you want to be a part of this church, you have to believe just what we believe. You have to behave the way that we behave. What if we just gave them a place to belong? What if we gave them a place to to be loved, that they would be loved here, that they could feel safe? Could we love people into the church? Could it be that simple? Could we love people into the kingdom of God? Could we love people into heaven? There are times when we go through some huge difficulties. There are times when we, each one of us, feel very lost, very alone. I can't promise you that all of your plans are going to work out. I can't promise you that your life is always going to be perfect. But I can tell you that during those times when things seem so far from perfect, when life isn't fair, there are three lessons that we can learn together. Be mindful of God. Follow the model of Jesus and maintain that connection to the flock. And you will amaze yourself when you come out the other side. We will amaze ourselves when we come out the other side together. The suffering that we endure draws us closer to our source of strength. We're going to pray here in a moment. We're going to sing. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. Father, we love You. And I thank You so much that in those moments when we are very aware of our suffering, 
when those moments when we're very aware that things haven't worked out the way that we would want them to. That You are still there. And that You still love us. I thank You that in those moments when we can't see purpose, we can know Your presence. Father, I think about those around us who are hurting. And they're hurting alone. And they may not know that You're there. And all it might take for them to know Your presence is for our presence. For us to bring Your presence to them. For us to model Jesus. For us to love them and care for them. Feed them and bless them. So Lord, today as we take, we realize once again, we don't just take Christ into ourselves. We don't just take the bread and the cup for ourselves. We take this so that we might share Christ with others. Make us ever mindful that what we do around this table today, we carry with us through the course of the week. That Christ is with us. And therefore, when we encounter those in need, we are bringing Christ to them. Thank You for the blessing of meeting us here. Thank You for the blessing of carrying us to those places. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.